Radio show. We are now in overtime. That is the second half of the program where we are online only. We have freed ourselves from the shackles of the FCC censors, and we've got another hour and a half of the program. Uh, so give us a call if you want to participate. 844-899-TVLR is the number. Um, and, uh, Mark C says, I heard Louisville voted the tentative agreement down. Um, they did initially. And then, um, a question that they had got answered is what they said. And so they reversed their vote. So, uh, yeah. So what did, uh, what did you want to say about boss watch? Adam? Oh, I mean, I just couldn't help but think that the Supreme court has decided that corporations are people, right? And (laughs) corporations have the right to free speech supposedly Mm. but people can be executed people can be given the death penalty Mm. people go to prison uh if corporations are people at what point does a corporation get disbanded right at what point are they given their own death sentence Mm. uh for crimes crimes that are so heinous uh and repeated and flagrant you know just just a thought that crossed my head uh, because if corporations want to be treated like people, I mean, people deal with consequences that corporations don't. And uh, right. it's very unfortunate uh, because like some of the, you know, the company I believe you mentioned in Arkansas has had multiple people die mm-hmm. on their watch. You know, yeah. in a more just society, we would just say, listen, this company you can't exist anymore right uh you're not allowed to be doing business in our society you can't be trusted in fact here's uh here's the right of first refusal for the workers who work there y'all can buy this company y'all can own this company but we're not letting management have any control anymore right just i don't know it makes common sense to me yeah absolutely i mean it's so absurd that Corporations can kill people, and and you know the maybe if they do it enough times, they're gonna get fined like two hundred thousand dollars. It's absolutely crazy. Um, yeah, at that point, you know, really, I mean, if if you if you're responsible for the death of one person, you should, you know, there's a really a case to be made that okay, uh, you're not responsible enough to handle uh the administration of a business, so we're gonna give your entire company to your employees. Um, but certainly at multiple times, 
multiple OSHA investigations and citations in just a few years, no business running a company anymore. And uh, you, the people who created the value for you, who uh, risked their lives and some died for you, uh, those people should have the business, not you. Right. Right. Well, but that's all I had. Uh, and I do believe we have a caller on the line. 267 area code. I believe that I know who this is. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Adam and Jacob, it's Infinite. How are y'all? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well, doing well. Oh, just to expand on what you were saying, I think that maybe if we, one, change some of these criminal, these civil charges to criminal charges and mm. are allowed to hit corporations with RICO violations, then uh, that could help. But also, maybe if we just move, move the fines like two to the left, two to the right, different places to the right, so that, oh, no, you're not getting a $200,000 fine. You're getting a $2 million fine, right. no, a $20 million fine. Right. I believe that that would also help. Um, just just my thoughts on that. But there is a, a story this week in um, Northern Labor that I wanted to share with you. Yeah. There are 27 of the 31 Boston markets in New Jersey are shut down because of wage theft. Mm. Wow. Now, the company got hit with $2.6 million in fines. They have to pay back $600,000 to, I think, about three, 300 or so workers. Um, so that story I found rather fascinating. Yeah. I um, want to share that with you. That's, that's pretty wild that they would actually be shut down. Uh, and who wow. said Boston Market anyway? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I didn't even know those were still around, frankly. But uh, wow, wow! That's... State labor officials have have shut down. It's not like oh, we you know oh, yeah, we don't have enough money to pay anymore, and so we're shutting down the state labor officials. That is incredibly based. Yeah, as as we mentioned earlier, you know we wouldn't know what that's like here in Alabama. Right. Uh, we don't have state labor officials, at least not oh, in it... reality. <laughs> I was, at a, uh, I, I was at a uh, an event where Secretary of Labor Marty Walsh came to Birmingham uh, and was talking about the Infrastructure Act with a bunch of union members and the department, the chair of the Department of Labor for Alabama was there, and he had the nerve to be walking around giving out business cards at a union event without a bug on it. Can you believe that? I can. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, I mean, I don't even want to get into that. Oh, but then there was a uh, story I really read uh, that I read uh, coming out of De uh, Dallas uh, News about three million people in Texas are getting paid less than seven twenty-five an hour. Mm. Wow. Three wow. Yes, I'm like, I'm like, wait a second, three million? That's like more than some states' entire populations. Yeah. Seriously. But of course. I mean, I don't know how that's not more of a scandal because, I mean, uh, that, that's just criminal. And this is why I say that the fines need to be increased and the um, mm -hmm. penalties need to be increased. So at, this, at this point, you're just you're just flagrantly violating um, laws. So it needs to be some right. criminal penalties so that they uh, get so that they just have to get like basically fined into non-existence. That's yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, that's 
uh, Biden floated that at a Teamsters convention last year, uh, criminal penalties for election interference in a union election. Um, but of course, that you know never went anywhere. But I, I totally agree with you, Infinite. I mean, there has to be real consequences. Slaps on the wrist are not real consequences. And Starbucks is a good example of that. They have recognized that they would rather eat the penalties than do the right thing. Mm. And we have to change that calculation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, From the Longview News Journal um, in Texas, an academic study has revealed a troubling trend. Three million Texas workers paid less than a minimum wage uh, and $99 million in judgments from the Texas Workforce Commission that are essentially being ignored by employers. Oh, my God. Huh? Wow. <laughs> wow. Time to see some assets. Uh, I think if you start seeing some bank accounts, of some of these mm -hmm. people, then I think that that would like that. I'm just one of those. Um, when I messed up, at, when I messed up as a kid, the first time I messed up doing something, I give uh, punishment my mom. If right. I messed up doing the same exact thing, oh, mm. the punishment's gonna be way more severe. So right. I'm, I mean, maybe we should just go ahead and uh, follow some of my mom's rules. Just a thought. I'll let y'all um, talk about it off the air. Uh, talk to you next week. All right, man. Thanks, Thanks so much. Thanks for watching. Appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate Peace. that. Uh, did not know about the Texas story. That is definitely wild. Um, yeah. Yeah, interested in learning more about that uh, and what's going on there in Texas. That's, sure enough. That's uh, three million people, three million yeah. families. I mean, that number. So at first I thought that that was like a um, – that the Department of Labor had found that, but that's an academic study saying that three million people are being underpaid, and so that that's presumably like every employee that's being underpaid in in Texas, and that doesn't surprise me. But the nearly a hundred million dollars in judgments from a government agency that's just being ignored—that's crazy. That's crazy, and you know, I mean, that's 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 the disparity you know, that, that yeah. we're speaking about, right? Because ordinary, I mean, how many of us know folks? that are having to pay fines and fees to the government mm -hmm. uh, to get their driver's license back or to get off probation or to deal with whatever kind of problems they've got with, you know, uh, whatever agency it may be, right? And they can't just ignore these things, right? A right. uh, working class person can't just, like, ignore their probation officer right, and get away with it. Yeah. Um, you can't just ignore court orders and get away with it as everyday working people. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a big disparity, and so I think that's why it's important to you know shine a light on that. Exactly. Uh, so the UAW announced this week, last week, that they are going to be having a strike authorization vote this week, and uh, that's really big news, especially in the context of you know I was listening to a podcast no i i was on i was on twitter and somebody made note of this that during this time and actually months before the equivalent time in the teamsters negotiations they were already announcing wins in the contract non-economic wins you know two tiers were eliminated ac in trucks stuff like this right they were coming out you know almost every week or at least every month with a new something and none of that has happened with the UAW and the big three automakers. And so that would lead, uh, you know, that led this person on Twitter, and, and, I, and I think it makes sense, that led them to believe that, that the UAW and the big three are really far apart. 
uh, and the big three is just really not taking this seriously. Um, and that tracks with the way that their executives have been acting during these negotiations. You know, we told you last week about how Mark Stewart, the CEO of Stellantis, uh, was found to be, you know, spending weeks in his second multi-million dollar home in Mexico uh, on vacation during negotiations. And then he, you know, had an interview with the press where he was wearing a $30,000 watch telling the UAW that they need to focus on economic reality. You know, I mean, and he's, and you know, in this, I'm looking at your watch. That's the economic reality. Right. Yeah. I don't think that's realistic. Having a $30,000 watch, having a watch that costs more than your employees get paid in a year, some of them. Uh, I don't think that's economically realistic. So uh, give the union your watch and maybe they'll let you keep the rest of your clothes and, uh, and then pay your workers what they're worth. Um, really, really kind of galling stuff. And, you know, if you look up, the picture of him from this press conference. It's really just, I mean, just kind of gross. You know, I mean, I, I don't have an issue with, um, you know, people dressing bombastically or whatever, you know, it's, I'm fine with it. Doesn't really, you know, it's not an issue for me, but doing that while you are being interviewed Talking about how your employees need to be realistic. I mean, Google Mark Stellantis or Mark Stewart Stellantis Press, you know, economic realism or whatever. And you're going to see this ghoul in a white suit with flowers on it and a $30,000 watch. And, you know, I mean, look, I wore a white suit to my wedding. White suits are fine. But the idea that, you know, I mean, this is like a business thing. You know, and, and these people, they just, they don't respect the people that create the value. They, like, the $30,000 that paid for that watch, that was created by some fella or some woman standing on the line for hours and hours and hours, breaking their back, losing limbs and fingers and stuff like that. Uh, and then he is wearing all of that time that they spent uh, creating the value wearing it on his wrist like a trinket i mean it's just so gross so you know it really does seem like the uaw and the big three automakers are, are very far apart uh, they have not announced any agreements so far unlike the teamsters um on any of their central demands like the ending of tears uh increasing vacation time um in uh you know limiting the use of subcontracting and temporary workers uh the right to strike over plant closures uh and into plant closures stuff like this all of that is uh they haven't announced any wins on any of this and so last week on Tuesday Sean Fain had uh he he did another one of his uh live updates on Facebook and YouTube, and he announced that that uh, the following week he'd be that that the union would be holding a strike authorization vote. So that's what they're going to be doing this week, and uh, we will uh, presumably be able to come back to you next week on the next show and tell you what the results were. Uh, and you know, strike authorization votes are a pretty routine thing during 
uh, union negotiations, um, and the they usually come back pretty high. So the question is, is going to be really, you know, how high is it? Is it going to be 96, 97, 98, 99% of UAW members authorizing a strike? We're just going to have to see. And, uh, you know, but, but there's a very real possibility that 150,000 auto workers go on strike in the middle of September, right after Labor Day on September 14th, uh, against the big three automakers. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a really big deal. Absolutely going to be a big deal. I know that I'm going to go, I'll, I'll be out on the picket lines as soon as possible. I will probably be headed to UAW local 1853 in Spring Hill, Tennessee at the GM plant that I was on their picket line in 2019 when GM struck. So that's where, uh, that, that's the closest one for me. So that's where I'll be heading. So if you want to hang out with us over there, then feel free to do that. But uh, but very big news and uh, going to be very consequential uh, if there if there is a strike. One hundred fifty thousand workers. Uh, here's another uh, uh, something else that came out a couple of weeks ago. The AFL CIO every year has a, an executive pay watch uh, and. That's where they report on what the CEO to worker pay ratio is um, at, you know, S&P 500 companies. And it is always increasing every year. And it's always just wildly, uh, uh, you know, it's insane is what it is. And um, so we got Alabama's numbers and Patrick Darrington for the Alabama political reporter uh wrote up some of the Alabama numbers, and that is that uh, Alabama CEOs make 226 times their average worker. Uh, wow. Really, really insane stuff. Uh, in Alabama, the average P, uh, the average pay for an S&P 500 CEO is uh, $12,800,000, but the average worker pay was $56,000. This makes the average worker... Uh, to uh, worker to CEO pay ratio, two hundred twenty six to one, and uh, the national average is two hundred seventy two to one. So we are a little bit lower than the national average, but that's mostly because we don't have any, we don't have very many large companies. Um, the highest paid CEO in Alabama is Edward Aldig Jr. of Medical Properties Trust, who made $16 million during uh, the 2022 fiscal year and a $600,000 bonus. Love that for him. CEO of Warrior Met Cole, a familiar name to listeners of this show, Walter Scheller III, is the sixth highest paid CEO in Alabama. Gross. Uh, with a compensation of $6,500,000. The UMWA gave Patrick a statement about that. Uh, they said, sustained greed like this was one of the reasons that workers at Warrior Met went on strike in 2021 and remains one of the reasons workers still haven't been able to get a fair and equitable collective bargaining agreement with Warrior Met. Company management still refuses to acknowledge the tremendous sacrifices the workers made in 2016 to not just keep the company alive, but to create the pathway to the high profits and excess corporate wealth that Warrior Met is seeing today. And that's absolutely the case. There were a couple, and, and 
that guy, while he was trying, Walter Scheller from Warrior Met, while he was trying to, you know, make uh, coal miners accept what would effectively be a pay cut, his pay rate increased 33% from 2020 to 2021. So in the year that the strike started, 2021, he got a 33% raise from $4 million to $6 million. Now, last year, his raise which was much more modest at only 8%, which is half a million dollars. So, you know, still more half a million dollars is more than most people are, are going to see in a decade. Uh, and he just got it. And that was, you know, that was a modest pay increase compared to what he had been getting. Uh, again, for people, you know, stealing the value that uh, the coal miners create. A mile or two beneath the surface of the earth. The company that had the biggest disparity in CEO to worker pay in Alabama was Hibbit Sports. The Hibbit CEO, Michael Longo, made $2 million and was ranked number 10 on the list of highest paid CEOs in Alabama. Uh, but that is 471 times more than what the median employee made. Woof. Which uh, the median, median employee at Hibbit Sports made $4,387 last year. So crazy stuff there. The report also said that CEO pay continues to outpace the pay of working people across the country. And in the past 10 years, CEO pay at S&P 500 companies increased by more than $5 million to an average of $16.7 million in 2022. Meanwhile, the average U.S. worker saw a wage increase of only $15,000 over the past decade, earning an average of only $61,900 in 2022. So really, uh, uh, you know, I mean, just craving stuff from the bosses of this country, but uh, I'm told that they make so much more money than we do because they're just better than us. That's that's my understanding. So they say. We've got another caller on the line. So let's uh, see what they've got to say. 714 area code is... Uh, is who we have on the line. Uh, 714, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Adam, Jake, good morning. My Jose Francisco Negrete out here in Anaheim, California, waiting for Hurricane Hillary to hit, to touch up here. I think it's supposed to arrive Sunday, yes. Monday. So Y'all be safe. Yeah, sure <laughs> enough. I mean, I saw that on uh, 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 Twitter this morning, and it's supposed to be I mean, a really, really big storm. So sure enough, brother, uh, get safe and, you know, do what you need to do to stay safe because that is looking really dangerous. And Los Angeles looks like it is, uh, which is a huge city that, and Anaheim is just north of Los Angeles. Is that right? South, south. We're south, south of Los, Los Angeles. Yeah, it's like a, a good, to get to downtown LA, it gets, takes me a good 30 minutes, like, 20 to 30 minutes without traffic with traffic forget about it <laughs> i'm right, listening yeah. to i'm listening to the shop talk podcast i'm listening to to the the valley labor report uh, um because you're just stuck in traffic you know what i mean so yeah yeah but it, it's funny i text one of the sh uh, shop stewards yesterday i asked them 
hey, are we going to work on Monday? And and he sent me the the, the start times for next week. So I think UPS expects us to, to go to work during the hurricane, but I could be wrong. Mm, <laughs> wow. Yeah. The, the packages still, still, still have to get out there. But uh, I just wanted to call to because I guess Teddy uh, Ostra was on and he mm-hmm. made his predictions on the on the national master agreements. I don't know if he did about the supplements. But no, he didn't make any when predictions it comes to on the, supplements. Okay, so when it comes to this or, uh, organized vote no, you got to remember, and the, the original vote no happened in the 2013 contracts. Mm-hmm. You know, when when UPS wanted us out of the UPS company healthcare plan. So it starts there. It passed, but 18 supplements got rejected, and Sean O'Brien, who was leading those negotiations in the supplements, still with uh, Ken Hall, pushed them through. So now you have that. What started in 2018, go into 2018, and everybody knows what happened with that. National Master finally got shot down, but they still implemented it anyway through an archaic two-thirds rule that they that they found in the Constitution. Now we fast forward to now. Now it's it's different, right? There's no, there's not people hitting the gates like they were in 2013 and 2018. Now everything's through social media. Hmm. But to say there's no organized vote no movement, if you if, if you want to say organized as you want to point like this is the the figurehead of the vote no movement, you know. I would love to say teams to mobilize this, mm. but we're just we're just we're just coming up, you know. We're we're not there yet. But you got to remember, you have what happened in the past, 2013, 2018. So a lot of people that are always skeptical when it comes to negotiations with UPS. You put that on top of what we just went through during during the pandemic, mm. during the lockdown, during a time when peak. When it's usually are the heaviest point, the heaviest time for for uh, UPS, it was peak for almost six to seven months. Packages everywhere, drivers working twelve hours, fourteen hours. You know, the nine five list was probably getting violated every day. Their UPS was paying it out; they didn't really care. They were making hand, you know, money like crazy, hand over fist. So to pay to pay some some penalty, they didn't really care. You know, right. so you have that discontent. You have the discontent of the economy, inflation going up, going down the roller coaster. You have interest rates going sky high. You know, so yes, there might not be a figurehead when it comes to the vote no. But sure enough, there is it's it's, a, it's like a tree. When you cut off the tree, what happens? Weeds start growing around. Hmm. This is what it is. It's just an organic it's an organic thing that's happening with the vote no. Now, if you ask me, what's my prediction when it comes to national master? It's going to be close. I think it's going to be close. I'm pushing the no vote. I don't. I don't think this contract does en- does enough for uh, for the part timers, even though some people want to call me crybabies. But wait, what it is? It is what it is. You know, it's. I don't think. I don't think. Uh, I think it's going to be close. I I, I can't talk because it's. it's the last two weeks, the IBC has been uh, on this campaign of on social media through uh, 
through uh, Berlin Rosen, a PR firm. And shout out to them, man. They've been putting out some very uh, stylish, uh, you know, media on why to vote yes. Mm. You know, so you have the IBT putting, making all these videos to, to, to vote yes, right? And you just see the con- and you and you see the frustration of of uh, some members. Mm. You know, they they don't they don't want to be told how to vote. We just came from 2018 where they rejected the contract and the con- and the contract still got pushed down our throats. You know, mm. and I just wish that people would would recognize the organic nature of this vote no movement. But it's funny yesterday. I was hearing another uh, podcast concerning UPS, and they had a principal officer and a Western package of uh, he, he's a principal officer, but he's also the Western package uh, director for for the Teamsters, and he said, basically paraphrasing, that once the tenant agreement came out, it seemed like somebody pushed a vote no, and everybody jumped online. They were saying mm-hmm. that. It's a. It was a well. It's a. It was a well thought out, well planned, organized vote. No. And you just gotta read between the tea leaves, of of what of what's happened, of what UPS workers have have gone through, in in these last you know four years. And top of that, I forgot, UPS has been making record record profits. Was mm. that eight billion on the stock buyback? Come right. on, we're we're not stupid out here. Drive, UPS workers are not stupid. You know, we see what's happening. And like I said, there's no figurehead. I would love to think Teamster mobilizes, but most of it is an, an organic uh, discontent and outrage of what's happened. And then, you know, you, you call this contract historic. Members are like, wait, this is not historic. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what happened to the catch-up raises? You only got zero... You don't get any catch-up raises if you have less than five-year five, five year seniority. If you have five to ten-year seniority, you only get 50 cents, what they call longevity pay. Mm. If you have 10, 10 to 15, you get a dollar. If you have 15 years, you get $1.50. Seriously? Nothing in that, in that ten of agreement reflects what all of us uh, at UPS, all of us teams, all of us rank and file gave towards the corporation during a period of uncertainty and fear, nothing. Oh, 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 well, there is one paragraph. It's Article 26 and and uh, emergency reopening where they talk about a pandemic. But sure, how it doesn't it doesn't show up on the economic portion of it, the meat and potatoes of the contract. So, mm. like I said before, I think this con- I think the national is gonna gonna be very close when it comes to the Southwest uh, sort and package rider, which is a supplement out here, which I which which uh, I fall under, that I, that's when it get rejected. Mm. You know, it, I just because Southern California has the most Teamsters, and right. out of because it's us and Arizona and New Mexico, mm-hmm. so I think I think that that will go down. The Western Region supplement, which deals with the all the West, basically, that might probably go down. If you ask, I don't know. I've asked some people about the Southern Supplement, which pertains to the South. They kind of see it as probably uh, going down as well. Mm. Uh, the uh, Atlantic metro area, which deals with 
Maryland and and stuff right there. I forgot what other two states that that might go down. So it's 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 going to be it's, it's going to be interesting next Tuesday to see how it is. And if I if my predictions are wrong, I'm sure people are going to say stuff to me, which is a okay. But if if I'm reading between the tea leaves, I just think this the national is going to be close. I think it's gonna not. I think it's going to be a a vote no. But it's it's going to be it's going to it's going to be close. I don't see it any other way. Even though we're pouring millions of millions upon millions to push a yes vote, which is ludicrous. Why are you spending you know forty five forty five million on trying to get this sucker passed? You know it's you know and then anybody that has objections to to the uh, to the master contract or to any supplement as well, we're called liars. We're called misinformationists. Mm. We have an outside agenda. We don't work for UPS. <laughs> this is the this is this is the this is the, the times that we're living in. If you don't agree with with you know the the IBT, you know you're 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 just you're called all this and that. You're and the, come on, just because we have a disagreement or we don't see we don't mm-hmm. we don't look at it the way you do that we're 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 lesser than. We're not lesser than we're Teamster mobilizes no outside organization of a- outside agitators. We work at UPS, goddammit. Mm. Now show us some show us some respect. Don't talk down to us. And when I was hearing that that uh principal officer, Western package director yesterday going going on some uh show, hearing him the way he was speaking, you know, it was just it was just I I I couldn't believe what I was listening to, but it also got me pissed off. Seeing that, okay, if this is the terrain that's going to be laid out for for us, okay, this is mm-hmm. the terrain, this is terrain, and it, this is what's going to happen. Because it's at the end of the day, regardless of how I feel, I'm still a teamster. You know, I I still have people that I probably I do not like, but when push comes to shove, I have to have their back. Right. That's what we do. An injury to one is an injury to all, and if you can't accept that philosophy. I, your 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 definition of a trade unionist is completely is completely wrong, you know. And then tomorrow we'll teams to mobilize. We'll have a uh, a, a webinar as well because we are pushing a vote no. So if anybody wants to hop on, you you're more than welcome to. It's uh, 1 p.m. Eastern, so it'll be 10 out here in the Pacific. Uh, you could check us out on uh, Instagram, which is Teamster Mobilize, on Twitter as well, Teamster Mobilize, but the Mobilize is spelled O M O B L I Z, and you could check us check us out on our website, TeamsterMobilize.com as well. And gentlemen, gracias for the opportunity, the space you have given us, especially a bunch of us uh, that are pushing a no vote to to lay out our argument on why we should, you know vote no when it comes to this UPS tentative agreement. Yeah, a- absolutely. We're, uh, you know, since we're since we're not UPS workers, since we're not Teamsters, uh, you know, we do, we, we feel like we do have uh, responsibility to, you know, basically allow, you know, have, have an open forum for, for our sisters and brothers on either side of the issue to, you know. I think you guys might be, I think, I think you guys might be considered outside agitators. 
you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> well, I've been called that a time or two. I, 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 yeah, you know, I, I work at UPS, but I guess I'm an outside agitator. I didn't know that. There you go. <laughs> but it, there you go. It's new, it was news to me when I finally heard it yesterday. I was like, wow, okay. All right. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> All right. Thanks for the call, Jose. I appreciate it. Gracias either way. Gracias. You guys have a great evening. Have a great weekend and enjoy yourselves. Yeah. Appreciate it. You too, man. And solidarity. Solidarity. You too, brother. You too. And yeah, y'all stay safe out there on the West Coast. I know y'all aren't necessarily... Uh, used to getting hurricanes like yeah. like down on the well, Gulf we're not coast. used. We're not used. We're not used to a hurricane, so I don't know. I don't know what to expect. They're like, I'm just like okay. I'm just I'm just trying to brace myself. That's why we're going to Costco right now and buying what we need to buy. But mm-hmm. I've never mm-hmm. experienced a hurricane, other than uh, the only hurricane I ever experienced was uh, was basically going to my contract meeting and having people just rain down rain down thunder on me because expressing mm. my views of you know 25 is the low for part-timers or we won't know but that's right. the, but that wasn't the, that wasn't a physical right. uh, a hurricane but that's that's being in the eye of the storm kind of like thing but but thank you gentlemen and you guys have a great weekend of solidarity appreciate yep, you you too thanks uh we've got a, another caller on the line uh from a 214 area code all right, let's get two one four on the air. Hi, two one four. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Brian Catmore. I'm calling from Texas, Dallas, Texas, out of local seven six seven. Brian from Texas, out of local seven six seven. What's on your mind? Yes. Well, I was just watching a, a different clip online and. I was observing what the individual was talking about. He was, you know, he said he was in on the bargaining committee. So he was actually sat in on the bargaining committee for the first time with the board. Hmm. And he was talking about cooling sleeves for the to for the drivers to be replaced as AC. That's what they consider AC for the drivers, cooling sleeves, which was very disappointing to hear the increase of pay was good you know it could have been a little bit better the non four six you know the, the, take eliminating the forced work days was mm-hmm. good for the drivers as well but our hubs and the vehicles got serious problems that they don't want to address i don't know uh, it, it came from the majority report is what i watched Mm. And he said that he was with the company for you know he was a, he's been in the business for twenty years or whatnot, and uh, but he couldn't even remember the name of the device, which is a dyad, you know that the drivers use. You know it took him a minute to pull that up, so it was just really disappointing to hear that they're only going to get cooling sleeves for AC. I don't, I I believe the company needs to upgrade their vehicles. And they need to do a little bit of upgrading to some of the hubs that are extremely hot, like in Arizona and in Texas. And, you know, it sounds like California is pretty hot as well. You know, like big propellers, helicopter propellers, you know, that I've seen in some of the gyms that I've gone to. Those things circulate the air. Some of the newer warehouses that I've been in have those big propeller. Mm. They circulate the air really well, and it keeps the warehouse cooled down and keeps the gym even cooler. But uh, as a bargaining tool, I don't know if uh, the UPS, I am, 
UPS worker. And uh, <clears throat> I guess UPS looks like it is, well, if 20 of them walk away, that's okay. We'll replace them with 15 or, you know, 10 that will possibly stick. So we don't care. Well, a big strike like this is a little bit different. And as a bargaining leader, I don't know if they've ever even approached Amazon with the fact that since they want to be in Amazon so much or so badly that they could have went to Amazon and just spoke to them and been like, well, look, we're striking. This is going to affect them really bad. They're going to lose customers. They're, they're going to lose, you know, if they want to lose employees, they could lose employees. We could bring all that business and customers to, you know, I don't know if they could have used that as a bargaining tool or not, but it's mm -hmm. something that just crossed my mind that maybe a bargaining leader could have took to Amazon, you know, just for, just for the sake of their workers and right. seeing if Amazon would have been on board with that. And then they could have moved into Amazon and then, you know, increased Amazon's volume, increased Amazon's customers and increased Amazon's employees as well. I don't know, but it was just thought is something I want to put out there. I'm not in total agreement or disagreement with the, the new tenant. <clears throat> um, there's just some things that I think really stink about it. And the cooling sleeves is really, that's just a no. And if they're not going to upgrade the hubs, that's a no. If they can't upgrade the trucks, it's just, it's really sour. I mean, it's good that the drivers are going to get that day off because they're going to get more time with their families. So that's good. That's positive. It's good that the pay rate's going up a little bit. That's positive as well. You know, but the rest of it just sounds like they're going to go straight back to abusing their employees disregarding their safety and health completely. Cooling sleeves don't do nothing. I've had the cooling sleeves around my neck. I've had them around my head. They don't do nothing. They don't serve for, you know, they really don't serve that well. So I think that they should push a little bit more and maybe just stand a little bit more firmer or something against the company. And as for the warehouse workers, I think we all should just keep filing grievances on a weekly basis and monitor the supervisors because it seems to be a mismanagement big time in the warehouse. That's what I've observed in the years that I've been there. I ain't been there, you know, no decade or nothing, seven years with the company. But that's what I've seen, a repeat pattern, constantly, consistently mismanagement, cutting corners just to make their numbers. And when one corner gets cut, that that forces the rest. Of the, it's a domino effect. All corners get cut after that. So they're disregarding everybody's safe and health just to cut a corner. Mm. And it causes piles up. It causes damages to people's property because everybody gets in a rush. Things fall on the ground. Things get trampled on. People get stuck. If we had emergency evacuation, some people are stuck. They don't know which way to go. They can't go nowhere. I've witnessed quite a few different things in that warehouse, and, uh, <clears throat> you know, um, it's good to hear that a lot of the things and a lot of the issues that we brought up at our local hall has gotten addressed. But on the same hand, it's still disappointing, mm. you know, because it's it just seems like they're going to go right back to or just resume in the same type of abusive labor and disregarding everybody's safety and healthy. You know, just that's what it sounds like to me. That's all I got to say. I appreciate you guys taking my call. And I appreciate yeah, you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Th thanks for calling in. And, and, and I'll say that, you know, I think that the uh, 
the interview that you're talking about with the majority report was, I believe, with with Vinnie Perone, uh, principal officer yeah. of Local 804 up in New York. And I think that uh, that you know the the cooling sleeves or some of the ventilation and stuff with the drivers. I think those are all going to be offered to every driver, but but I think what the contract did was was that every new UPS truck is going to have AC. So it's not that every single truck oh. is going to be outfitted with AC. Uh, there are going to be improvements to every single AC truck, but uh, but but I think that that new trucks, all new trucks, are going to have AC. That's oh, my okay, yeah. understanding. Um, well, that's and, important information. I wasn't aware of. Yeah, yeah, I I think that's the case. I think that's you know obviously go you you know go back and read the tentative agreement um, just to make sure. But but that that's my understanding. Um, and uh, uh, really appreciate your uh, call yeah, though, and call. and also appreciate you saying uh, what you did about having to file grievances and, and yes. monitor your supervisors because whether this contract passes or not, I think that's pretty essential. And something we've heard overwhelmingly mm-hmm. from Teamsters on all sides of this issue is that. Uh, there are issues with working conditions with UPS and the way people are treated uh, and the conditions in which they're working. And so, yes, being active on the shop floor with grievances and holding these supervisors accountable is, is absolutely essential. And so, uh, you know, that's you know what I was mentioning earlier, that either, either way, however this turns out, uh, it's going to take a stronger union and more power, more organizing. Uh, to really improve people's lives. Yeah, and well, you're not going to be able to, you know, there's there's not a contract in the world that's you could get all the language that you wanted in there and it's not going to address yeah. all those issues. It's going to take no matter what the language says, it's going to take uh workers at each facility being willing to put up a fight and enforcement because we even with even with the terrible language that that you know UPS teamsters work under now uh, UPS violates it all the time, right? Mm-hmm. So, so no matter what contract you end up getting, it is absolutely you're totally right. It's going to, uh, it, it's going to require, uh, you know, militant activity. Yeah, activity and and organization to to hold the company accountable. Yeah. So yeah, appreciate the call, right, brother. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Uh, we have another caller on the line. Uh. This caller is from a 470 area code. All right. Let's get you on the air, 470. What's your name and hey, where doing? are you calling from? Atlanta, local 728. I'm a David Allen disciple out of Smart Hub, the Mega Hub. Mm, a David I, Allen um, disciple oh, out, of, uh, out of Atlanta. He is the one that does the Roswell Hub, right, The on YouTube? You got it. Yes, I cool. like I, I like that show. Uh, Roswell Hub on, on YouTube is they're a uh, you know they're uh, a program on the internet that talks about you know UPS Teamster issues and I, I think that they're generally pretty kind of tightly focused on what's going on over there in Atlanta. Uh, but obviously they have they've been more nationally focused during these negotiations. So uh, so excited to hear from somebody over there. Uh, what's on your mind, brother? I want to. I want to um, cover a couple of things I heard the other callers talk about. I'm a feeder driver, so I mm. leave the state. And I just left Knoxville Hub. So I go to different hubs throughout the state and other states. 
and one caller from out west, he's right, but he's embellishing a little bit. We have a lot of misinformed members, and they're going to vote yes. They didn't even read the contract, and the um, campaign of the yes vote is working. Mm. It's going to be very close, but the campaign of the yes vote is working. Interesting. Interesting. So uh, I'm now curious, my, uh, <laughs> how do you feel about that? <laughs> um, I hate to say this. Our union play the percentages, so like one of y'all said, you can't get a perfect contract. So both sides have to play the percentages on 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 winning. Hmm. And this is a it is, is a historic contract. People need to stop saying it's not. It is, but the bar is so low, it's hmm. easy for it to be a historic contract. That's what people fail to realize. The bar is so low. Right. I hear what you're saying. Kind of like with Biden being the most pro-union president in, you know, in my lifetime. It's like, oh, well, you know, probably he is, but that's not. How uh, early was that? <laughs> so it's a lot. It's a lot of things. Um, was I think the national is going to get through. Mm. I think some of these supplements going to get voted down, and even in local seven twenty eight, I hear a lot of people who are reading is not very happy with it because. Pretty much everything new in the seven twenty in the uh, Southern Supplement is in the national, and reason to have a, a regional contract to special do special things for your region that other regions don't go through, hmm. and they didn't do a lot of changes. And a lot of people are not very happy with that. Hmm. Interesting. What about the uh, uh, what about the the pension? Uh, how do how do you feel about the pension improvements in the Southern Supplement? A lot of people. I get mixed reviews on it. Hmm. Anybody who's not eligible for retirement right now is kind of wishy-washy, but anybody's eligible for it within this contract is very happy, and that's that's usually typical par for the course. But the pension is actually good. I mean, we can't knock Sean. Sean can't get everything fixed in one contract. I hmm. met him like four or five times and had uh, personal discussions with him, and – the guy can't get anything fixed on the first on the first on the first day. People got to be realistic on that. Well, and I think that's a that's a good point to bring up that like you can be a vote no and just and believe that there is more left on the table and that you know we we should keep fighting and all that. You can you can believe all that while still not necessarily like questioning the integrity of of folks, you know, or assuming bad faith on the other side or whatever like that. And and so I think that's really important, you know, whichever side folks are on, you know, these are your union brothers and sisters, uh, and you're going to have to work together uh, to build a stronger union regardless. Um, and so, yeah, just being understanding of where folks are coming from, because there are a lot of disagreements and some significant disagreements and some valid arguments coming, you know, from, from different perspectives. So, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's important what you mentioned. And so that will come in when your supplement comes in very important because your supplement is supposed to protect you from the national where it holds at. So more people need to be, I hope they listen and understand this, you can't really knock the national when you have, in your region, have a certain issue that your region should be covering. Like, I'll give you a prime example. Uh, 720 local eight where I'm out of, and I went around and asked people. I, I, I told people this how bad this how bad our supplement is. We just getting MOK day off 
in his new contract. And MOK is based out of Atlanta, where UPS is based out of. In our last meeting, we was bragging about that MOK is now an honorary member of the Teamsters. Hmm. We should have been leading the country in our supplement having MOK off 30, 40 years ago. Right. Right, right. Yeah, yeah I hear you. That's a good point. Well, are there any issues uh, a- a- across the South that people are that people were wanting to see in the Southern Supplement, or is it just kind of a generalized uh, feeling of you know maybe we wish we had gotten more in the Southern Supplement? Oh, we could have got more. Oh, we got to We could have got. Yeah, we could have got more. Oh no, we got. We left stuff on the table, which is just true, especially in the uh, in the Southern Supplement. Prime example. New York, I'm not sure exactly what locally, eight something. They had more time off than us, more option days and sick days. They mm. gained even two more. We didn't gain any. And we had people going around saying that the company won't budge. They wouldn't give it to us. They don't believe in that. And I said, that's a total lie because the company does believe in it. They don't, they don't believe you're willing to fight for it, so they don't give it to you. Mm. But the other reasons are willing to fight for these things. They get them. We asked for more time off, and they told us at our last meeting the company wouldn't budge, and they didn't realize a lot of us already did our homework. We just wanted to see what they're going to say mm. when they gave it to other people. All right. Well, uh, I, I appreciate your call. Is there anything else that, that you had on your mind? Oh, yes. Uh, one of the things that uh, why people are saying the no vote, kind of this not reason is everybody got company plays percentage. They know, reason why they gave into a lot of these things. They know majority of the workers won't exercise what's in the contract to fight. So they allow the company to take advantage of them. And it's a lot of things in kind of in the gray area that make, since we got the last contract forced down our throat. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a feeder driver. So this don't pertain to me. One of the things does um, they have, they have really no, they're going to, create the language. This is crazy. They want us to vote yes on the contract and then they'll create the feeder language after we say yes. Just like you, just like Nancy Pelosi said, you got to vote yes, then we can see what's in it. They literally mm-hmm. told us that. They're going to create language from scratch after we, the deal is um, sealed and it's going to protect us. And people are not believing that. And then the 9-5 language we kind of see some ways where the company go weasel out of it and they understand some people will get pushed around. So this quadruple time and all that, they're not really worried about it because it's going to be slim to none on people willing to exercise that right and know how to protect themselves because the company going to go after low hanging fruit and fire them. Mm. But they try to exercise some of these rights when you don't know how to protect yourself. That's a good point. Yeah, really appreciate you calling in and yep. and sharing the Atlanta perspective and the feeder driver perspective. Uh no, no problem. I listen to y'all every. I work every Saturday, so I listen to y'all in the truck. And I say, you know what? I keep hearing that guy from the West Coast call. He's kind of right. But I said, I need to call in. I was gonna call in next week. I said, me look down here and and uh, find a number and call him in. But I got one other thing I want to um say if y'all, if y'all mind me sharing is sure. I think it's very dangerous what they are doing. In so many ways, we opened up a rabbit hole. We have a sleeper team. That's the ones go on all 50 states and leave for five days. And one of the things we did to try to stop contractors from taking, taking our work is forcing 
from the bottom when you first come in with no experience and go all across the United States and drive and drive with a complete stranger, even their teamster member, you might not get along with them and you're forced to be on the truck with that person for the next 18 months. And we know it. Both of y'all have no experience uh, driving on these roads. And I, I, don't, I think it's a recipe for disaster. And that's in the new contract? Yes, it is. They, Was it I, in the I, old I contract? Believe, no. We didn't really have no language like that in the last contract. Now they're having it where to protect us from get, losing our work, because a lot of guys like me have a little bit of seniority or, or have more seniority. We don't want to be on the road for five days away from our family. So to have those runs covered, they having people in lower seniority covering them, and they had the least amount of experience behind the wheel, and they are they are partnering up with people they really don't even know for five straight days. That does not sound fun. <laughs> no, not at all. So yeah, I appreciate you bringing yeah, that up. Thank you. They forced on it for eighteen months. Mm. 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 Wow. Yeah, definitely appreciate you bringing that up. And, uh, yeah, thanks thanks for tuning in every Saturday. We really appreciate that. And uh, South's got to represent. So, yeah, call us anytime. Yep. You got to get the local stronger. That's right. right, man. That's right. Keep up the good work. Uh, we I have another caller <clears throat> in the queue. Yeah, getting, have... getting, a lot of, getting a lot of calls today. I appreciate yeah. that. 415 <laughs> area code is who we have up next. Uh, let's talk to uh, the uh, 415. 415, okay. uh, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, this is Steve Zeltzer from San Francisco. And I'm actually a producer of Work Week. So yes, I thought I'd call I, and I'm glad I, you're I, doing this show. Yeah, brother. I recognize you from the uh, Labor Radio podcast uh, exactly. Uh, exactly. meetings. What's yeah. on your mind? So, well, I mean, I, I was at my uh, convention of the Newspaper Guild, and Chris Shelton, uh, of the head of the CWA, past head of the CWA, was asked by a member of my union, uh, the News Guild, how he could support the Teamsters if you went on strike. And uh, Chris Shelton said that he hadn't been contacted by uh, Sean O'Brien, and he didn't know what was going on. Now, you know, if you look at what happened in the Ron Cherry struggle, one of the strengths of the fight that Ron Cherry made is he united the entire labor movement. So about part-time work, and he had rallies with all unions. Hmm. And that is a, is a an, an opportunity. If you're really going to fight UPS and, the, and mobilize, you have to unite the entire labor movement. Sean O'Brien never did that. Never did that. Which meant, in my view, that he really wasn't serious about taking on UPS. He was going to cut a deal. Uh, because uh, there are many other strikes going on around the country, and they could have had rallies uh, to unite these struggles, SAG-AFTRA, many, many strikes, and unite with other workers who are fighting the same conditions. So it's not a, an issue of the Teamsters and UPS. It's a, it's a class issue, bringing the entire working class together. Mm. I don't think that was his view, uh, and that's why uh, you know, they didn't get 25 as a basic wage, which could have happened. By UPS. UPS can afford 25 bucks minimum wage for all workers who work for UPS. They didn't do it. And the other thing you have going is you have all these separate agreements, contracts. I mean, you don't really have one national master contract that they had under freight, where you have the same conditions, the same benefits nationally. They pit a low, a, a regions against regions. 
and they undercut each other. Mm. That's why there are a lot of complaints on your calls of people, different things here, different things there. That's how the company wants it because they play mm -hmm. each other. They do the same with CWA with the telecom, telecom separate negotiations, separate regions. This is a, a recipe to help the managers actually and the owners pit people against each other so they don't have a real master contract. So I, I think it's a, uh, a contract that uh, has, you know, serious problems and it, it really uh, undercuts the rest of the working class movement in this country because the fight for 25 is a minimum. They didn't do it. They promised it. And uh, I think that, you know, that that's uh, that's a real problem. And uh, I think um, members, I mean, members have to make their own choice, but I don't think it's the best contract they could have gotten and their reasons for it. They could have gotten a great contract. Mm. Right now, there's a shortage of labor. They need workers in this country. And uh, they could have mobilized the entire labor movement behind them and united with the other struggles that are going on. And so I think that's really what we have to organize towards in this country, uh, a unification of, of all the unions instead of everybody do their own separate thing. I mean, it's the same with AI. Uh, the mm. writers and, and the SAG-AFTRA need to unite with the Teamsters, need to unite with healthcare workers, educators who are fighting AI because it's coming into all these industries. That, that was never an issue in the, in the Teamsters, even though they're, they're developing automated trucks which is gonna wipe out millions of teepers, teach, uh, Teamsters. In San Francisco, they're bringing in robo-taxis, which are gonna wipe out all the taxi drivers. Mm. I mean, you know, it's coming. It's coming, this AI is coming for the working class. Goldman Sachs said 350 million workers may lose their job around the world. So we're talking about a, a very uh, existential crisis for labor. And that wasn't even addressed. It wasn't addressed in the longshore negotiations in the IOW either. Uh, I think that a lot of these union officials are afraid of addressing because it's not just one company. It's not just one issue. It's a system problem we're dealing with. How is right. technology going to benefit or help or hurt working people? And that is a real fundamental issue if workers are going to survive. And as a here, I mean, they've got these wrecks, these, the robo taxis are running to fire trucks and uh, creating mayhem in San Francisco. And, the Newsom, the, the governor, allow them to do what they want. I mean, there's no uh, California Public Utility Commission. They don't, there's no real regulation, uh, and they're allowing this technology to be introduced, even though it's uh, still being developed. People are being used as guinea pigs. And it's the same with, with AI and, and other areas in, in the economy. So these are some of the issues that are not being addressed, really, uh, certainly not in the, in the Teamster contract, but also mm -hmm. in the Longshore contract. So I, uh, you know, I can't, I can't speak to uh, obviously the the Kerry campaign. I, I don't know I exactly how integrated they were with the rest of the labor movement, but I do know that. I mean, Sean, uh, Sean O'Brien had, you know, Sean Fain and you know a bunch of politicians at some rallies, uh, and I went through, um, and, and I actually met him at a rally for Amazon workers here in Alabama. Um, where he was supporting, the Teamsters were supporting uh, RWDSU in their campaign at Bessemer. So, you know, I don't, uh, of course, you know, maybe there's, there's always an opportunity to do more. Um, and I think that, I, I think that Sean Fain has been doing a pretty good job of connecting the UAW's struggle to uh, other people's struggle. You know, he explicitly mentioned the SAG-AFTRA and the WGA strike last week in his update. Right. Uh, that, that was really cool to see. And, um, but you know, there's always always room for for more integration. Yeah, I guess from where from where I was sitting, I I thought that that 
the labor shines were were doing a, a reasonably good job of of kind of connecting uh you know connecting their struggles to everybody else but you know of course i, I don't know comparatively have to keep pushing. yeah and i don't know comparatively how good it, how 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 good it was compared to to ron carey i wasn't really kind of conscious for that i was i was alive but only barely um <laughs> i really appreciate you your yeah, call steve and I really appreciate that perspective and bringing that that perspective into the conversation uh, because, you know, I, I think you brought up a lot that, that we haven't mentioned today that I think is really relevant. Yeah, well, I mean, I think uh, I, I, I carry that, that campaign, you know, after that strike was over, the New York Times had an article that said the problem with, with Ron Cherry is he convinced the American working people, the massive public, that this was about part-time work. Mm. That that struggle is about part-time work. In other words, Kerry was successful in in uniting workers and and under for them to understand, yeah, this is a struggle for all workers, not just the Teamsters. As far as Amazon, uh, I don't think Amazon is going to be organized through the NLRB. Mm. The NLRB is a process. It was set up really to prevent organized mass organizing, and like uh, the workers that did did try to got a vote successfully they're just bleeding them out and getting rid of the organizers mm-hmm. it's going to require uh you know uh, workers to go out on strike and from thousands of other workers to surround these warehouses and say you're not going to operate that's not something sean o'brien wants hmm. he doesn't want mass demonstrations of thousands of workers at these amazon warehouses that's how they're going to be organized that's how they were the organizing was done in the 30s and 40s. It was by mobilization of the entire working class. And the, I know they're picketing in Palmdale, and Jose Negretti is involved in that. But, you know, they're firing uh, Teamster contractors who work for Amazon. And, uh, you know, they're being retaliated against. There's no national campaign to shut these warehouses down and mm. force these companies to, to negotiate a contract. The same with Starbucks. Starbucks is refusing to sign contracts, even though 300 stores have voted to have a union. They're just bleeding them, starving them out. And uh, these these companies are playing hardball. And using the NLRB is not the way you're going to beat these companies. And I think that's the entire thrust of of not just Sean O'Brien, but other other union officials. We're going to go through the NLRB. Dead end. Dead end. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I I guess I I would... Uh, it would it would surprise me if if Sean O'Brien would would be opposed to to a mobilization of, of Amazon workers to kind of shut shut things down to to unionize. I mean, you know, he you know he utilized the the apparatus of the IBT to put together a lot of practice pickets across the country, where you know hundreds of UPS workers were kind of showing that that they were ready to strike if if UPS kind of didn't buckle, um, and and I think you know the the issue is, is just you know creating the creating the organization inside of Amazon. I I would I, I would certainly hesitate to kind of level the accusation that that Sean O'Brien would be opposed to such a mobilization if if it were <clears throat> if it were accessible or well, possible at this time. Well, I mean, okay, there's organizing going in on on Amazon and the Teamsters and other unions are trying to organize, but a strike is the way you're going to win over the Amazon workers. The Teamster mm-hmm. power of UPS if they'd gone out and then appealed to Amazon workers join us and FedEx. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, one way you'd win a strike in one day you shut down Amazon, FedEx, and UPS, and you'll get a contract for all these workers. Think about that. 
If Amazon, UPS, and FedEx shut down, they would have to sign a contract with these workers. That's the kind of mobilization that would force these companies to, it would, it would force them to, to go under. But that means that not just the fight against these companies, it's the government. It's like right. shutting down the country. When you shut down the country, you're not just shutting down these companies. You're shutting down the country. And that means you're shutting down Biden and, and you're shutting down the government. That's a very powerful political thing. That's a, like a general strike. It's not a general strike because it's one section of industry. But it, it, that's the way you organize all the Amazon and FedEx workers. They go out together with UPS. Hmm. And that becomes a political issue, which it is. Because right. presently, they're not allowing these workers to organize. I mean, thousands of workers are fired every year for, who simply want a union. You mention a union on, a, on, an organ, on a job that's not union, you get fired. That's why right. people are afraid to join this country. Mm. That's the reality for, for the working class in this country. So that kind of mobilization is necessary. I think it was never the intention and view of Sean O'Brien to do that kind of confrontation, to take on, to take on UPS, but also to bring to take on Amazon and the government, which is what you're doing. That's not his view. Mm. He wasn't talking that way. He wasn't, in fact, when he was interviewed on, on MSNBC uh, prior to the strike, he didn't even mention Amazon. He didn't say, I'm, look, our fight is also about organizing Amazon workers. I mean, you know, you have to speak to the Amazon workers. You have to speak to the I thought FedEx he did. workers. I thought he speak. did mention, and, and I don't know if maybe there was an MSNBC interview that he didn't mention it, but I thought there were multiple times where he said that, that yes, this is also about organizing Amazon workers. Well, when, I he, when, he, was, when he was yeah, if he was asked, he might have mentioned it. But yeah, I, I'm, I wanted I'm just to saying, just jump in and say uh, – that that I I totally hear your perspective here, and I, I mean I think we've got to think big and and think bold uh, about organizing and and organizing as a working class. My I think the billion dollar question in my head is, you know, do we have that sort of strength right. that's there now, or if not, what do we need to be doing now to get to that point? Mm-hmm. Uh, because I I I agree with you uh, in terms of the the way we can actually make progress and and the need the urgent need to make that progress because as you said uh for so many workers in this country just saying the word union mm-hmm. just looking like a union is enough to get you fired enough to get you blacklisted from your industry um it's enough to really ruin your life right and 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 even in situations where you have unions, you have managers that are routinely violating contracts and unions uh, that are not militant enough to enforce the contracts. And you have people being harassed and mistreated and, you know, kicked around and treated like shit in this country, all over the country, in industry after industry. And so, yeah, I, I appreciate your perspective, Steve. Yeah, well, and, and you know, and of course, you know, Amazon, FedEx, UPS, all, all of those workers going out on strike would obviously be a big thing. But, you know, I mean, it's just uh, obviously the, the workers at, at FedEx and, and Amazon are not organized to be able to pull something like that off. Uh, but, you know, something like this UPS contract, I, I think is it's it, it, it's possible that this is going to help them get organized. You know, there's there was an article in Labor Notes by Luis Leon a couple of weeks ago that, that I thought was really interesting where he talked to Amazon workers reacting to the tentative agreement. And, you know, this one, uh, uh, Paul Blundell, an Amazon warehouse worker, said, <clears throat> quote, everybody's jaw dropped 
we top out at $20.90 after three years. So UPS is now starting well above that with raises for the rest of the contract. And UPS part-timers also have low deductible health insurance with no premiums. They have pensions, stuff like that. At UPS's uh, Philadelphia Air Hub, the current wage for an inside worker starts at 20 an hour and 22 for night. And so, you know, they're like, I think that that is, you know, even, even if it's not necessarily what, everybody wanted i mean this it it is already kind of appealing to some of these people in amazon warehouses and and hopefully that'll you know you'll be able to take this and and take uh take this contract and take what workers were able to do to win it to some of these amazon workers and say look you know you could have this you could have this here you could have you know um and uh uh but it's absolutely going to take that that education and organization to to be able to help them win that for themselves well it requires education and organization you can't yeah. change anything in the world without those two things so that's yeah. critical absolutely uh, steve zeltzer is on uh he steve zeltzer is a uh a radio host on kpfa in california uh, the program's H-E-O-O. called Work Week. You can also find it on on as a podcast, right? Yes. KPOO in San Francisco and KPFK in Los Angeles, they have a show called uh, Working Voices LA and also Capitalism, Race, and Democracy in Pacifica. And we got to support labor programming. It's great you're doing a show. We need more shows. I mean, this is a voice for working people. Yep. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, thanks brother. I really appreciate it. Uh, and you're absolutely right. right. Yeah, we need we need more labor media, more labor education. Uh, we've just got to get the message out there to working folks uh, because there are generations of folks who, who mm-hmm. have missed out on that kind of education and don't have a union heritage in their family or haven't been exposed to unions in the workplace yet. Uh, and so we've got to just keep talking to folks and keep listening to folks and, and working together. Um, absolutely. I did get a... Uh... Uh, I, I did get a, a message responding to the feeder driver from Atlanta uh, saying that they don't they don't think that what he was saying about the feeder drivers is is exactly right. Uh, the message that I got said, my understanding is the A driver, the senior driver, can pick their B driver for sleeper teams, and all regular feeder drivers are bid by seniority. UPS trains all feeder drivers in the same training program. Uh, so, so it, it may not, it may not be exactly right that, that you're just paired with a random person for 18 months, but obviously, uh, you know, I haven't read that part of the contract. So what's, what's the thing to do if you're a UPS teamster, read the contract and consult with your, uh, your, yeah, read the contract, read the supplement, talk to your local union, figure out exactly, uh, exactly what the deal is there because I'm not going to be able to tell you. So, right. Yeah, absolutely. Read the contract, read the supplement, uh, study up and, uh, vote yeah (laughs) definitely vote and and have conversations um that's very very important yeah and i appreciate that message uh that that correction always happy yeah yeah always happy to correct the record when uh when things may be not exactly as as they seem uh but but yeah check check out the contract and then vote um so we don't have any other calls and i think i think we may go ahead and and wrap early what do you think adam is there anything else that you you really wanted to get to before we wrapped up uh, no, not necessarily. Uh, you know, I appreciate the conversation and the dialogue today. Uh, we heard from people on the vote yes side, people on the vote no side, you know, kind of other 
voices as well. Uh, and I appreciate Steve's perspective there at the end, uh, bringing in some historical perspective uh, because, you know, whatever our agreements or disagreements about individual leaders or individual agreements, hopefully we can begin to find unity on the urgent need to build working class power mm. and power as a working class that is unified, uh, that is conscious of its own strength and uh, its relevance to our society. And so, you know, I think that's the name of the game. And, mm. uh, the, you know, we have to grow this movement and strengthen this movement uh, and always be organizing, always be adding and multiplying our numbers. Uh, I think that's just, that's huge. And so uh, we're going to have disagreements along the way. Hopefully, you know, disagreements can be dealt with in good faith uh, on all sides and, you know, without demeaning each other or, you know, destroying relationships or anything like that because, you know, we, we got to build these relationships and maintain them because um, mm -hmm. we've got to look out for one another. Yeah. Uh, nobody else is going to do it for us. We can't rely on bosses and politicians to look out for us. We've got to look out for one another as working people. And so, um, you know, that's what I encourage folks to do. And for the UPS Teamsters, read your stuff, do your homework, uh, talk to your coworkers, and use your vote, use your, vote, use your voice, um, and, and do that for yourself, your coworkers, and everyone else. Absolutely. Appreciate everybody's time. Uh... As you're heading out, like the stream. We've got 110 people watching right now, 73 likes. Like. So as you're heading out, uh, please like the stream. That'll help us in the algorithm. Subscribe if you haven't yet. Yeah. And, um, uh, don't donate to the show if if you have the means, tvlr.fm slash donate. You can send us a one-time donation there or sign up for a recurring donation. And I think you were about to say, don't forget, if you want our Join a Union shirts, pre-order them today. The last day to order them is going to be tomorrow. We're going to place the orders on Monday so that we can have them in by the time that we have our live show. TVLR.fm slash store. They're really cool shirts. Check them out. TVLR.fm slash store. Get your pre-orders in so that we can, uh, uh, so, that, so that you can get them. We're not going to have too many extras. So Yeah, absolutely. Uh, don't forget about Shop Talk on Thursdays. I just talked about the Scottsboro, Alabama teacher strike of 1981. <clears throat> Uh, so that was our episode this past week. If you missed it, you can still find it on YouTube or as a podcast. Uh, and yeah, again, I just really appreciate everyone who tunes in, everyone who likes and subscribes, everyone who shares our content and comments and calls. Uh, you know, that's what it's all about. Just getting the word out, amplifying the voices of the working class, uh, particularly here in the South, uh, where we desperately, desperately need to get that message out. Uh, so, yeah, appreciate all the support, and um, y'all just continue to stay tuned and, and subscribe and, and support us however you can. It means a lot. Yeah. Uh, Hometown Action, they wanted to let me to let y'all know that they yes. are having a Canvas launch. They're going to be doing a deep Canvas here soon. They're going to be having a Zoom event on September the 7th coming up to talk about what they're going to be talking about. So if you want to be involved in a deep Canvas here in Alabama uh, about issues important to working class people, Go to Hometown Action, uh, go to their website, uh, hometownaction.org, I believe. Hometownaction.org, yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, and register for that Zoom link. Um, 
There was a uh, Vonda McDaniel, president of the Nashville Central Labor Council, wanted me to share the 10th annual Labor Day parade and celebration in Nashville uh, is happening on September the 9th. So if you want to sign up, bit.ly slash Labor Day CLC. Oh, man, I wish I could go to that. September the 9th, bit.ly slash Labor Day CLC. If you want to go to the 10th annual Labor Day Parade and Celebration in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you, Vonda McDaniel, president of the Nashville Central Labor Council. Appreciate that. Heads oh, up. and I've got another plug as well that we did not plug in the main show. But United Women of Color is holding a free celebration next Saturday, August 26th from 9 to 11 a.m. at UAH Bevel Center. Uh, and so there will be speakers and musicians and food, I believe. Uh, United Women of Color is turning five, and they're also just wanting to do some community engagement. Uh, so that's a local event if you're interested. And also the United Campus Workers Local 3965 is holding their general meeting, uh, general assembly meeting on September 5th at 6 mm. p.m., at Canterbury Chapel. And so for all of you who are at the University of Alabama, definitely get plugged in with United Campus Workers. Shout out to them for their organizing efforts and good old Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide, y'all. Okay, now we're leaving. Yeah. <laughs> See y'all next week.